the County Pulse Podcast, where we take the pulse of Kankakee County and beyond and talk with our friends, neighbors, and movers and shakers. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the County Pulse and drop a follow. Welcome our host, Jeff Dexter. Now let's get this thing started. Joining me today is Jason Teal, head football coach for Iroquois West. Wanted to have you on, uh, Coach, and get kind of the pulse of what's coming up for Iroquois West football and maybe some insights into what to expect this year. If you want to talk about some of your players and stuff like that, that's going to be an important part of it, too. And, uh, you know, talk a little bit about yourself. Let people know uh, who you are. So I appreciate you uh, for coming on, and thanks for joining us today. And welcome to the County Pulse podcast. Thank you for having me. So, Coach, I thought we could talk about who you are and how you ended up as the head football coach at Iroquois West. That's okay with you. Oh, absolutely. Um, I grew up outside of Gilman, so I went to school at Iroquois West. I graduated, actually helped uh, win the state championship there in 2003 uh, when Coach R.J. Haynes, who's who's now at Mankino, was the head coach here. From there, I I was recruited pretty heavily in the U of I, Iowa, Wisconsin, and a bunch of other smaller schools before I ultimately decided to play at at all that. And for me, that decision was, was a pretty easy one. Uh, Coach Newsom up there at the time had a really great program going on up there and, and not only great football players, but he was producing great young men that were graduating from there. I actually did not graduate from all of that. I ended up enlisting in the military. And while I was waiting to enlist, I got my start in coaching at Iroquois West when Ryan Pearson was here. And I, I volunteered for a year. And then I, I got off for the military and served eight years. And then when I came back here, the opportunity came up for me to, to get on with the coaching staff again. And I took that. And that was three years ago. And I worked my way up after the first year, uh, being the assistant defensive coordinator to the defensive coordinator for the last two years. And then when Coach Stone decided that he was moving on to the admin world, then I applied for the head coaching job here. And, and it, was a, it was a longer process. There was a lot of, a lot of really great coaches that I interviewed for the job. And I'm just thankful that I was the one that was selected for the job. I think it's great that I get to coach for the team that I played for and, and where I grew up. And the community is great. And I, and I can't wait to get this thing started. Well, I think that's great. You know, one of the things that, uh, and you've got a very interesting kind of lead up to where you are today. And one of the things that I've done when I started this podcast was try to help our communities that seem to be, again, drive by, you know, sometimes they call it flyover country. We call it drive by where people don't get the recognition, either the programs, the players, the coaches and stuff. And so that's kind of why we started the County Pulse podcast. And uh, one of your, I think, coaches, I know it's one of your players, uh, Josh Leonard, I talked to, and uh, he had spoke highly of you. And this was kind of when we were just starting things out. And I thought, well, let's reach out to uh, coaches and let's talk to them. And we've this podcast is getting heavily into sports, especially now that the IHSA is going uh, with, it looks like, a, a movement. We want to be safe and stuff like that. But I know, I can't speak for anybody else, but I can tell you, I assume all parents and coaches feel the same way I feel, which is let's play football, right? Well, absolutely. Uh, our kids are are super excited to get back out there. I'm I'm beyond excited to get this thing started. Uh, I'm I, I'm not really nervous right now, but I, I can't say that I won't be nervous come the week one game. 
just ready to rock and roll with it. Yeah, and so going back a little bit, if we can, Coach, talk a little bit about, I think there's an interesting twist. You played for Olivet, and then you decided to go into the military, and you were there from about 2007, about 2015, is that right? Yes, that's right. And so can you talk a little bit about that? One, the reason, the desire to do that, and then kind of talk, where did you end? Did you end up in any, I guess, no other word to say except for interesting places while you were in the military? Oh, yeah. Um, so when I, I enlisted, and obviously, like, the boot camp is in Great Lakes up here in Illinois. When I went in, I went in as an engineer originally. I was stationed on a ship down in Florida for my first tour. Did a deployment off the coast of Iraq, all those interesting places. And in that first tour, I was actually assigned to the visit board certain seizure teams that some of these small ships have and where you do the anti-pirate off, off the coast of Africa. And so I, I had some pretty interesting times doing that. Then after that, I actually, they call it cross-rating in the Navy to hospital corpsman. And from there, after I did my corpsman training, I, I went with the, the Marine Corps. I had to do all that training and, and got deployed with those guys. That was an interesting time in itself. Uh, I can't exactly say it was always fun, but looking back on it, it, it was a time in my life that like I really wouldn't change it. It made me who I am today. And then when I finished my tour with the Marine Corps, I was stationed in a clinic just outside of Washington, D.C., where I finished up and got to meet a lot of interesting people around the D.C. area. Got to visit the Wounded Warrior Wing there at uh, Walter Reed in Bethesda. It's a very cool place. Uh, I think they do a lot of great things there for, for all the wounded warriors, both there and in San Diego. I think what's interesting is when you talked about, and I assume this is with anything, when you talk about there's times when you were with the Marines and, and probably times and other times when you even before then or after then that maybe weren't the greatest. They were, you know, maybe the more difficult or trying times, but you look back on that now. And like you said, that's really what makes you the man you are today. And I think that's an important thing you kids need to understand going through football, right? If you apply it to a, an athletic career, I'm sure there's times that kids don't like that. I'm sure there's times that you don't want to be out there and it's 90 degrees and you're working hard or you've had that loss on the field. But those, all those things, even when there's tough times, create character. And, uh, you know, I know from my career in labor relations, I work with a gal who was as tough as nails and I used to to literally hate when she would come down. She was one of my bosses and she was tough on me and and tough and just rough around the edges. And I didn't like her a lot. And I didn't realize until she stopped me one day and said, I need to talk to you and said, you know, I'm leaving. I'm going to Washington, D.C. I'm going to start a, a different career path. And I just want to let you know you're a good person and a good rep. And I thought this lady hated me. I thought this time was my darkest times. And when I look back at on it now, it also was something that helped build me to be who I am. I didn't like it. I didn't understand it, but she made me the better official that I needed to be in my career. And so I think that's an important thing to relate to the players sometimes. Do you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, like, and, and the sport of football is, is very comparable to life. I mean, there's your ups and downs. And even when I was in high school and, and Coach Haynes was the coach and he would stress it all the time too. It's like football is just like life. And you have your ups and downs. How are you going to deal with it? How are you going to deal with adversity? And, and as a high school student, you're you're kind of, you know, whatever, you know, like I don't really see it as that right now. And then when you finish your playing career and 
you move on to, to actual life, like then I understand exactly what Coach Haynes is talking about. And like I try to relay that to our players as well. Some of them understand it, like obviously looking like where I've been and, and where some of the guys on our coaching staff have been and coming back. And then like some of the guys will get it and they'll understand it and they'll ask a lot of questions. And then you'll get like some of the other guys that are kind of maybe like remind me of myself a little bit when I was in high school. Like I don't really need this right now, but I'm, I'm hoping that I can do the same thing that, that Coach Haynes did for me. And when their playing careers are done, they'll look back on it and be like, this is exactly what Coach was talking about all those years. Yeah, and I think that's what's special about coaches, grade school, high school coaches, college coaches, that they provide something that you don't necessarily see or understand at the time you're going through that particular program. And then you look back on it fondly. And and I think it's just, you know, you mature over time. You kind of get a different perspective over time. And there's times in your life later on that things come up and you say, hey, you know, that's what Coach Teal talked about. And this I'm in this same situation. It may be a work situation. It could be a life situation. It could be a marriage situation. And I think it's really important that they have that, that experience of what you've done, one, of going through the process they've gone through, winning a state championship, going to college, and then going on to the military. I think that's fantastic. And I want to say, you know, for myself, but certainly the people that listen to uh, that I want to thank you for your service and the time that you spent in the military uh, for not just for, for me, but for us to have the things that we have. So I appreciate that, Coach. Oh, thank you. So let's let turning back to football. Let me ask you a couple questions because this has been a strange year, as you know. How have you and your team been dealing with the COVID-19, both from a football perspective, a coaching perspective, and the players' perspective? Because it is it is such an odd thing to be separated and trying to deal with a team that you want in front of you to motivate you. I mean, yeah. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, this, this COVID situation has just been extremely frustrating and stressful. Uh, obviously, like, I took over uh, after this thing had already started. So I didn't even get to announce to the players in person that I, that I was selected as the head coach. I had to do a Zoom meeting. I mean, I, I'll take that. I mean, I got to see all their faces. They got to see mine. But when I took over, like, after I took over, I've been there for the last three years. So all the kids knew me. I work at the middle school. And so all the incoming freshmen knew me. And we set up a Google Classroom for football and, and post body weight workouts and little short conditioning things on there and those guys would log in every morning and they would do them and like they'll reply back on there i did this many i did it in this time so i mean they did really really well with it i know that a lot of them will will have questions especially now like in the world with with Twitter in it and the IHSA post something and or somebody else will post something and, and the kids will see it. My phone will just start going off with, with messages. When are we starting, coach? When are we doing this? And I have to tell them, like, I'm right there with you. I know our AD is trying to get as many answers as she can possibly get. And I think she's done a wonderful job of asking the right questions to the IHSA and, and getting some pretty in-depth answers and which she can relate to us and then we relate to the kids. And like, I really commend our athletic director, Coach Christy Airy, like she's worked very closely with all sports coaches. She's put together a, an awesome plan for us to, to get our kids in. And we're very flexible with our time. And I mean, in the coaching world, you got to be flexible with your times, you know. We'll start real early in the morning, first couple of groups of football guys, and then the rest of the groups will go way later into the evening. But then when we have that huge time difference, like that allows soccer, volleyball, cross country, it allows all those guys to get in. So I think she's done an amazing job at putting that schedule in place. 
Well, I know it's got to be tough. I have a son that goes to Bradley High School, plays football, and he's somewhat fortunate because uh, Mike Cole's the head coach, and he's also, at this point, the athletic director and in the know of it. But sometimes when I'm talking to Mike, I'm thinking, okay, what about football, football, football? And when I did my interview with Mike, I said, coach, it's not just football, is it? It's everything else. And so sometimes you can get really narrow on that issue, but then you got to think about all the other fall sports that got to compete. And and I know for schools that uh, have limited facilities and even in Bradley where we've got, you know, three gyms and, you know, different fields and stuff like that, it's hard just on a day-to-day basis to schedule things. Now you're trying to schedule things. And if you don't have the experience expansive of the facilities that makes it difficult but then throwing that COVID-19 stuff in and then the IHSA doesn't really know because they're trying to meet with the Illinois Department of Public Health so I can only imagine and you're the head coach so you're just trying to wait stuff will come up instantaneous like you said off of Twitter or Facebook or whatever it may be and then next thing you know they're asking you and I assume you've got to wait for your athletic director to give you direction on what's going on so it's good to know and it's always helpful to have athletic athletic director that is really hands-on that's working with the programs and stuff. The COVID-19 is not just uh, impact on football. How has the impact, good or bad, been from a personal standpoint of view? I know it's had an impact on us. Uh, my wife's office was closed. I was already, you know, I've kind of been forced into retirement. So I was already, I didn't have any concern, but I know talking to my former co-workers, it's difficult to say the least to try to find out exactly what is going on and what are they doing? Are they working from home? They're working out in the field. Can they do certain things and go to certain meetings and stuff. But from a personal standpoint of view, it's been beneficial for us. I know that. How has it been for you, good or bad, from a personal standpoint of view? Well, I mean, it's been a little of both. Obviously, like I I work in the physical education department here at the middle school. And when they said, like, hey, we're going to, we're closing down here, like there was really no, the state just said, hey, we're closing down, you know, like they didn't really give us a timeline. So it was a mad rush here. And then, I mean, Looking back on it, you know, we weren't coming back to finish the year. So I sat at home and, and we did the online learning thing and I did the best that I could do to, to help out the PE teacher and get everything that she needed done. And when I look back at it, like now I missed coming in every day and seeing the kids and, and doing my job and trying to make the day the best day possible for the kids here, especially when they come to, to PE. So when we start back up, like it's going to be what, four or five months that I haven't seen some of these kids when they're used to maybe two months. I mean, that's the bad part of it. The the good part is that I got to sit at home with with my two sons and daughter and my wife and help them out with their distance learning stuff all day. Gave them the opportunity to actually ask mom and dad questions and get our answers and then have conversations with the kids. And my wife's family are big farmers. So like I helped out after I was done doing the distance learning stuff, I'd jump in a tractor and help out as much as I could keep the farm running. So like, I mean, that was enjoyable for me. Stressful sometimes, I guess you could say, but I mean, it was a little bit of both good and bad for me. Yeah. And I, I kind of heard that from talking to people. I think for people that you're sometimes running in the fast lane, right? So you're trying to figure out exactly what's the next meeting. What do you got to do? You got this. And then, you know, you got your home life. You got to get home, the kids. And then as your kids grow up, they start doing stuff. And so you're constantly moving or you got friends that want to go out and, you know, have dinner and stuff. So there was always something going on. What people say, you kind of stopped everything and refocused them on, hey, we got to spend some time with the kids. 
kind of like my son. He was happy for about the first two weeks. And then after that, it was like, I don't know if I like this. I, I miss my teammates. I miss my classmates. You know, kids need that social interaction. So yeah, I agree. There's some really good things in there and there's some really bad things because you want to get back to normal life. And I think sports is such an important way for the student athletes to be able to stay busy, stay focused, give them goals. It teaches them a lot of life lessons. Uh, and it becomes difficult when you're, you know, basically your hands are idle and you worry about that. Can I get lost into this social media thinking and get lost into PlayStations and who, you know, all this other stuff that are all these different distractions. So it, that creates a problem too, because you've got to monitor that because they're not getting their cool day in and they're not doing the things they normally do. So it's, I think it has been a, a, a good and a bad thing, but I think, again, not to be repetitive here, but I think we're ready to get back to football and see what's going on there. So so you talked a little bit about how you were able to manage to keep the team focused. How's your coach has been handling that too? You know, because it's not just you, you're the head coach, but you probably got all your coaches who are used to seeing the kids and used to doing their thing, whatever their particular speciality is. Right. And like we have a group message with with all our coaches on there and uh, we're constantly talking and, and even though for the longest time like we couldn't meet in person, like we're still putting stuff together for the season. Obviously it would be all through text and then when we finally opened up for us to meet, we got together a couple of times and really talked the stuff out and, and walked through a bunch of the stuff. I mean, they're just as ready as I am to get this thing started. And like you had said, sports is kind of will help us get back to some normalcy. And it's not just for our players, like in a small community like ours, like they look forward to the sports. I, I personally think that we have one of the, the best fan bases for a small community. Every Friday night that we're home, our entire community is at the football field, whether the, the team is, is winning games or or not doing so well that season. It, that place is always packed on Friday night. And I know that just from talking to some people in the community, they're, they're really hoping that our state is far enough along in, in phases that they'll be able to attend the games if we have somewhat of a, a normal season. Yeah, and I think, you know, when you talk about the small communities, I had talked to Zach Meyer, he's the head basketball coach up in Mantino, and he was talking about their conference and as we went through basketball for folks in Mantino. And one thing that I said that I like, whether it be basketball or football or whatever, is when you get... There's nothing against, depending on what classes you're in, you know, uh, or what sport you're in that varies from 1A to 8A or in basketball, 1A to 4A or whatever. Um, But you get to those higher ones. Those are typically schools that are from larger communities, obviously, because they're larger schools. But we don't have oftentimes the stud kid that can jump out of the gym or this is the number one player in the country that's uh, running back or whatever. And there is a sense of going back to the basics of how you play the game, whether no matter what that sport is. And then there's also the community. And that's what I really like about going to some of these smaller schools is the sense of community. You know, it's something to say that not that it shuts down, but basically it does, that everything just kind of sucks to the football field on Friday night. That's a special feeling that you can't get in bigger communities. There's nothing against living in bigger communities, but that's a, a unique experience to have that type of fan base and 
It's something that if you went and said, hey, I'm going to teach at uh, a large school in Texas and stuff, you may get that, but you just don't get the sense of that small community. And that small community seems to be so much larger on a Friday night uh, when they fill your stand. So I think that's something you, you know, people should cherish. And I think they do. I think as you go along, you can remember back to those Friday nights when everybody came out to see you play or see you coach. Right. And, and I mean, and it goes back to even when I played, uh, obviously like in the regular season, it was full, but then when you really got in the, in, into the playoffs and advanced further and further into the playoffs. And, and as a player, you know, you're kind of taught like, hey, don't look into the stand. Don't try not to hear what the crowd is saying or yelling at you. But I mean, it, it gets hard not to look to see how many people from the community are out there supporting you. I'll never forget playing in the state championship games at the U of I and coming off the field for the last time, looking up and seeing almost the entire lower section of their home bands filled with people from our community. Not even just our community, but our entire county, which is filled with a bunch of small schools just like ours, coming in to watch one team that might be a rival during the season. But as you're making that run, like our entire county became almost one community like during our playoff run. And I know like this last year when Watsika made a, a pretty good run in the playoffs and PBL made a good run in the playoffs and so did Clifton. Yeah, our season was done, but like a bunch of our kids, some of our coaching staff, and even some of the families that knew some of these kids would split up and go watch those guys play throughout the playoffs. So, I mean, I would say that like, for our county and area, it's kind of one in the same you want those teams to do well in the playoffs so that way you can get that exposure and, and, and kind of bring up a spotlight to these smaller schools when they do well. I think when you're on the field and you're playing and you get a chance to look out, you know, I think the probably the most important is trying not to hear any of the negative things coming out of out of the stands. But when you can get ready to get in a huddle or you're grouping up with your folks and you happen to look up, it's got to be a motivator to look up and say, all these people are here. You know, it feels like someone's got your back. It feels like somebody cares about you. And so I think that's a huge way for kids to be focused to say they're here. Now, of course, if they spent all their time looking in the stands and not playing the game, that may be a different story. But I think it's important for kids to know that how many people really, for that period of time, have put their life on hold to come watch a game that they also appreciate and love. It's a great thing, and I think it's a great thing you can experience anywhere, but certainly in smaller communities, we see it. Iroquois County is a large geographical county in the state of Illinois, so to get people from all over, I think, is a really cool thing. And like you said, it's something that you'll always remember and and you can talk about with your kids and your grandkids and stuff. I think it's fantastic. Let's get into the season and let's talk about some things that maybe this upcoming season, and we don't know where this thing's going to be at, obviously, with the COVID-19, but let's talk about what some of your fans and parents can look forward to this year uh, with Iroquois West football. And do you see any changes in in style, play logic uh, that parents and fans can expect for the 2020 season that maybe they haven't seen before you're the new coach right you're going to bring a different perspective i imagine i mean it's not going to be radical but i imagine you have your own thoughts and ideas that maybe you want to get out there yeah uh, for our fans and, and parents for this season can expect the uh, like a smash mouth style football come back here for west uh, i like to say it all the time like 
hashtag making fullbacks great again. The game has gone so far away from using your traditional fullback. Well, we're looking to bring that traditional fullback back into our offense. I know the youth league that we've had for many, many years ran a pro-style offense with a fullback, and they, and they were very successful. So I, and now we have those kids. So it's going to be like riding a bike for them. Yep. I mean, it may be a little little rough at, at the beginning, but they're going to get it. When the fans are in the stands, like they're going to see relentless effort on every single play from our kids. They're going to go four to six seconds as hard as they can go, the average length of football play. They're going to go from point A to point B, plus two every single play. And then defensively, like we're going to make a few changes defensively both scheme wise and position coach wise and i think our fans are going to have plenty to look forward to and, and cheer on this year yeah and so i think when you talk about fullback and stuff like i watch this uh, you know a lot of folks especially uh, in the larger communities are going to they'll play in the summer this seven on seven football and i think there may be some value to it but i've seen some things that i don't really care for but i think what it overlooks in seven and seven football is that kind of down dirty player that you need the fullback tight ends the, the positions that seem to be now overlooked and that may be your advantage right is that people are thinking more of a run and gun offense and let's see what we can get and maybe be prepared for that on defense and you're going to just go back to the basics which is utilizing your fullback and these type of things which like, when i think of fullbacks i think of tight ends which is a reminder of linemen and what they've got to do and makes me interested to know how is your line looking this year, both defensively and offensively? Well, our line this year, like obviously with Clayton coming back from his injury, he's got a lot of, of interest at the Division One level. I actually just got off a, a meeting last week with the University of Illinois talking about him. Having him come back in both offensively and defensively is a, a huge game changer for us. And then you look at his, his brother, who's a year younger in school, and the kid is 6'8", 240 pounds. He's going to play tight end for us. And he's always going to be a threat, especially down in the red zone. Like, yeah, he can block, but he can also catch the ball, too, really well. So I'm excited to see what he's going to do in this offense as compared to in the past where he's been split out by the numbers a little bit and double teamed out there. To have him in coming out of a stand and blocking and then coming off that block for a play action pass is, is going to be something great to watch this year. Uh, as far as other line positions go, we have like Carson Mason and Austin Mason Price both coming back. They're three-year starters on the offense and defensive line for us as well with the the youth that we have coming up, we got some, we got some pretty good size. They don't necessarily have the varsity experience that those other guys have, but I know for a fact that they're not going to be scared to get in there and, and give it everything they have. Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously I, I don't know your players. I know two of your players. I know Cannon and Clayton, and I know those both kids from playing basketball. My son played basketball with uh, Clayton and then Cannon was younger. Of course, since the last time I've seen him, I don't know, he's grown, I don't know, 25 feet or something. I told Josh the other day, if he doesn't stop growing, I'm going to have to get him some bricks so he can put them on his head because he won't be able to fit in the house anymore. But one thing I knew about those kids and talking with their parents that I think people don't understand, especially in smaller communities, is those kids get up early, early in the morning. We're talking to Jenny, uh, their mom, and they're like, no, they get up and they take care of the hogs in the morning at four thirty, five o'clock in the morning before school and stuff. A lot of kids don't do that, 
right? Um, and I think just through that process, one that creates a work ethic that your community has and your players have. And I think it also then, especially dealing with livestock and different things, creates a lot of muscle for you, right? You're doing a lot of things. If you're not doing that, you're bailing hay in the summer or whatever it may be. And those type of things that you go through your daily life are now applied or actually beneficial to you whether you're going on the football field, basketball court, or whatever. And, and again, I would speak of your other kids. I just don't know them. But uh, I can say the first experience I've had from some of your parents and players have it takes me back to a to a day of just a good family that seems to do a lot of good things. And the kids are well-behaved. They're especially Clayton strong as a bull. And if you don't mind, I can share you a little story uh, that I think is classic. I'm not saying it's necessarily appropriate but it's classic for a kid like him we were playing in a tournament and uh, i think it was up north in illinois maybe libertyville somewhere and uh, team i don't know where they're from but some teams are a little bit more mouthier than other teams on the court and this was one of those teams and so they had a tendency to run off the mouth they were dirty players and during the game things kind of flared up a little bit and Kids had to be separated. You know, tempers run pretty high when you're playing in one of those tournaments. And one of the kids, I didn't see it, but one of the kids, luckily I was filming so I could see it afterwards, but one of the kids had said something to Clayton's mom. And he was walking down the court and he was over there. And Clayton, again, this is from looking at the film because I was looking elsewhere trying to figure out what was happening to make sure everything was flowing right. And he walked over to this kid. He was inside the lane and you know it was a dead ball there wasn't anything going on but he walked up to that kid and he pushed that kid and i'm not kidding you i don't know if i've ever seen a kid go that high or that far in my life and that was an issue of you don't say things to my mother and uh it was you know again you know you don't want those things to happen but it just brought back to me the fact that this is a good kid and one thing he knows is he respects parents. He wants the same respect for his parents and when it doesn't happen, he's probably not the kid you want to be lipping off to. So, uh I've seen his strength in the game, but I've also seen it in other situations and uh I think if you've got kids in the community that are are like the Leonards and stuff, I th- you've got a lot of lot of talent and a lot of hard working kids. Right. And those two are, like you said, they're, they're not the only two that, that get up and do that stuff. Like, yeah, like they told, like they just walked beans the other day before coming in for a workout. And the day before that, they were bailing hay. But I got four running backs that, you know, John Alden, Austin Miller, uh, Tristan and Jaden Shack. Like those guys will work construction or they'll help chop down trees during the day. I know John's dad owns his own concrete company, so he works concrete all day. And they do this stuff from, like you said, five, six o'clock in the morning, all the way up until they come straight to the workouts after and, and they give everything that they have every single day. And, and then those guys, are, like those four guys, they also wrestle. In the wintertime, they're, they're wrestling. And in the summertime, like they're still doing some competitive wrestling stuff, like getting ready for some, I don't know what they call it in, in the wrestling world, but they're traveling tournament things every weekend. And, and I don't have a problem with those guys doing that one bit. It keeps them strong. And that's one thing we're going to change this year too. We're going to do in-season lifting for the entire year. We'll look to do it two to three times a year. And if those guys want to wrestle on top of that, I'm more than, than happy to see them do it. I'll go watch them and support them as long as it's not a super far drive. And like, we have a lot of kids that, that go above and beyond every single day and that's what i think is going to help turn this program around and we have a lot of good things to look forward to with these group kids 
Well, it sounds to me like Iroquois West and Iroquois County's got some good, hardworking kids in it that they don't shy away from hard work or challenges. So that's that's definitely a benefit. I think I have the season results here uh, for Sagamon Valley Conference, and that's the conference you're in, correct, Coach? Yes. Okay. And that conference includes Clifton Central, Paxton, which is Paxton, Buckley, Loda, Seneca, Watsika, Dwight, and Moments. Is that right? Yes. Okay. That's a pretty broad area, and looks like you got some pretty good competition in there. Oh, yeah. That schedule, year in and year out, it's tough. We cross over with the Vermilion Valley Conference, and like some of the other schools like uh, Paxton, we'll, we'll cross over one game with, with Gibson City. So we're all playing top-notch competition all year. And then when you get into conference play, whether your team is doing well or not, there's no there's no gimme games. And like they're hard-hitting games from the time that the, the game starts till the time it ends. That's one thing when we move to the Vermilion Valley Conference, after this season, that's one thing I'm going to miss. But then again, I know that conference is exactly the same. So we're going to go from, from this conference into some new competition, but it's going to still be the exact same. Like regardless of records, Like those kids are going to come to play every Friday, and it's going to be a good time. Yeah, and when I talked to uh, Coach Cole over at Bradley, he had said that some of these schools are finding it a little bit tougher to find conferences these days. And I think there's going to be a little bit of a shakeup from IHSA. I know for us, it affects us at Bradley Bourbon A. It's because we end up playing teams who are a lot larger than us. I mean, we're a large school. We got over 2,000 but kids in the school, but we're playing teams that sometimes have three, 4,000. That's a different ball game. When you're moving up to these larger schools, and I think they're going to do uh, some type of different setting to where you stay in your class. I mean, you can play up, but you're not required to. Our conference is kind of split between smaller and bigger schools, which makes it difficult, you know, to, to get the number of games you need to get into uh, the playoffs. You know, we're typically, we're a little short on that. We may miss it by one game, but... That's because we may be playing best team in the state, you know, Lincoln Way Central or East or whoever that may be at the time. And again, those are large schools. Do you have any thoughts on that? Do you have, have you heard any insight on what the IHSA has been doing or what they plan on doing in the next year or so? Uh, actually, no, I have I have not heard anything that they're planning on doing. Like I know for us this year, it'll be different. We're a legitimate two way uh, high school. But for in the years past, like we're, we've been a one A in playing in the conference with like obviously Seneca, Dwight, Paxton. Those guys are three A schools, and then I know Clifton's always on the border two and three A. They've been two A the last few years. So I know by move for us moving to the Vermilion Valley Conference, we're going to play schools our size. And then how you talked earlier about like it is, it's harder for some teams to find competition. Like if you look our Week Nine opponent and it's Warsaw, which is way over on the the Missouri Illinois border, they're one of those teams that they play four games in the state of Illinois, and the other five are in, in Missouri. And unfortunately for this year, we have to drive all the way over there on the last Saturday of the season. I mean, I hope it works out great for us and, and we come home with a W after that long trip. But, I mean, it is hard for some of these teams to find some competition. 
Well, and I think it's tough too. I know when my daughter was in travel softball, we always played up. You know, of course, travel's different than high school. So it was an advantage for for us, per se, to play all year long, to play from a 16 to an 18 gold is the way they list. You know, the 18 gold's the best level you can be at in softball. And so that was nice. It was tough. We didn't win a lot of games. We were about 50-50. But when we came back down for 16U national tournaments, it was good. It's different in high school because if you're playing up, those are marks against you, which can prevent you from getting into the playoffs. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. So that's that's got to really take a toll on you to have to play teams that are bigger classes that aren't even in your classes you wouldn't face normally anyway at least when you went down there for, you know, if, if you made it to the playoffs. But it's difficult. And I don't know, again, I, I forget what uh, Coach Cole called it, but it was one of those things that they're going to try to redo it and they're going to be more hands-on to ensure that teams are playing it. Now, will it eliminate things? I don't know. You know, you, you talk about going to a lot of places. You know, we are going to be, I think it, it was originally first game of the season, for us, O'Fallon uh, in O'Fallon, Illinois, and that's almost four hours away. Now, that could be an elective thing. I think sometimes, like, and, and you may know this, I don't know, but and, and Mike has some more flexibility, I think, uh, especially now that he's an athletic director, so I think he can pick up different schools and stuff, and you pick up good competition. And he always likes playing good competition, but there's a good and a bad to it. It's a double-edged sword. You play up, your kids get better, but you lose that game playing that larger team, and then now you're one game down, you have to have an extra game to win to get that winning record to get into the playoffs. So it seems to be more and more teams are traveling all over the place to uh, play teams and uh, we were just talking about this trip down to O'Fallon down near St. Louis last year they did it of course my son wasn't playing varsity but they didn't get back till 3 3 30 in the morning I told my wife that's not happening we'll go and get a hotel because I don't I'm not driving four hours back in the middle of the night and then two I don't want the kids and particularly my kids but I don't want I prefer the other kids not to be wore out and other parents wore out. It's a, it's nice to go down, and O'Fallon always has good teams, but I don't know that we necessarily want to put ourselves in jeopardy to be doing that. But you guys are kind of going through the same thing in the last game of the season is getting your team over there and trying to get them back home, right? Right. In that game, our last game, is it's a mid-afternoon game. So I, I don't foresee us getting home super late that game. And, and that game was one that, uh, like I said, like we're on a schedule with both the SBC and the VBC. And Milford, when they left for eight men, left that hole in there. And they came back around on our schedule. And we had to find a game. And they, they just happened to be looking for a game. And, and, and that's what it came down to. There was a couple other options. But like you had just said, the other options were five and six A schools. So we chose the, the school our size with some travel in it. Yeah, it, it's tough. I mean, that I was just looking at it with uh, that team. They're out of, appears to be Hamilton, Illinois, which is right across the river from Keokuk, Iowa. So, you know, if you're not going to St. Louis to play a game, I guess you're, you know, uh, or near St. Louis, you're going over near Iowa to play and playing near Keokuk, Iowa. So that's going to be an interesting uh, time. And it's really good that they set it up for, I didn't even see it on the schedule. I got your schedule, but I didn't see it on the schedule as a two o'clock game. So that makes it a little bit easier to get back than, uh, than our, ours is a typical Friday night, seven o'clock game. So uh, that takes a little bit out of you. 
So I was looking at last season. Last season was a tougher season for you folks. Do you see that for your team? Do you see that as a kind of a gross season? And uh, this year is kind of when you can kind of get your footing and take off a little bit better? The last two years, we've had to play a lot of incoming freshmen and sophomores. We've had to play them up on the varsity level just because numbers weren't there. And and we knew that it would we would take our bumps and bruises along the way. But now, and, and it's fortunate for me, like I get to take over a program that is sophomores and juniors like heavy and they've had two to three years of varsity experience already so I would look at it as a growth year but at the same time it was a totally different offensive style totally different defensive style than what we're, we're looking to do and what we're looking to move back these kids that are in our program now did it all through their youth football leagues and had very successful youth football careers I want to say the, the incoming sophomore from the time that they were in third grade to eighth grade never lost by youth league football game running this offense and now I know youth league and high school is two different animals but they, the advantage will, will have to go to us I believe because like I said it'll be like riding a bike for these kids and, and when they get back on it they love the offense they love to go hard they love to hit that's one of the things they they tell they make it known during practice that they want to hit and, and we can't always do that with the numbers that we have but these kids are very aggressive and they, and they love the game of football. That's great. In particular, you know, you talk about the difference between youth and, and high school, and there obviously is. But if there's a roadmap, that roadmap, I think, and I think this is kind of what you're saying, that roadmap that, that they use there can also be applied at this level. It, it's different players, right? It's You're playing different competition, but those kids are equal to who you're playing, and they're used to playing a system that they've seen a lot of success in, which is helpful for them. So it's not like reinventing the wheel. They know where to look. They know where to go. And the other advantage, I think, is playing together, you tend to know what your players are going to be doing, right? So if I'm a a running back, I'm going to know my linemen or I'm going to know certain players because I played with all my life. And that's got to be an advantage for you too, that you've got a group of kids that are coming in that have worked together and know each other, not just personally, but on the field. Right. And that's one thing that I'm looking forward to as well is just is watching these guys pick this offense back up and just play. I'm going to do my best to take thinking about what to do out of the equation. Just let them play. The, that's the best way to, in my opinion, to be successful in the game of football is, is you got to take the thinking out of it. Because when you think too much, you, you're not as quick. You might have a delay in, in, in any read that you're making. Like we're going to watch enough game film to know that when they, the second they see something, like they know exactly where it's going. I think for coaches, not all coaches do that, but I know when our kids were playing basketball, we played freshman ball and we had a couple brothers who were coaching and who were really nice guys. And someone said, well, they don't look like they're coaching much. And I said, these kids don't really need it. They know each other. They've been playing all year long already and they let them play. And that's a, I think that's a unique thing that coaches have to look at when you have that opportunity to let the kids play. I mean, obviously you're going to direct and you're going to help them and make sure they get the basics done and do the things they can do. But there's sometimes you just got to let those horses run. Don't you agree? Oh, I totally agree. I think it's a, it's a great opportunity one, that they know the system, and two, that they're not afraid to go at somebody. So that would be interesting. Hopefully, depending on what happens with me, I, I've said this with all the folks I've talked to, but it would be nice because uh, I, you know, now that I'm I'm retired is uh, hopefully get through what I've got to go through personally, but get down and see some of these uh, games and watch some of these games because I think it's going to be a, an interesting time. So it sounds like you're going to have a really interesting year 
On your schedule, what do you see as some real challenges when coming through that schedule? I sent you a schedule with kind of a layout of what we'll be talking about today. Does that schedule appear to be accurate from what you know? I know there's some differences. We start the year with, with Oakwood. I mean, that's going to be that's gonna be a tough game. Like They've made the playoffs the last couple of years. And then we moved to Saltport. They made the playoffs last year. Seneca made the playoffs last year. Moment, they missed the playoffs last year. And Clifton, everybody knows what Clifton has. And they made a deep playoff run. And Dwight will be a really tough game. Their coach is a phenomenal coach up there. And, and he's got that program going in the right direction. And, and that's going to be a tough one. And, and obviously, PBO, their last year in the conference as well, before they're moving up to a larger conference, they made that deep run in the 3A playoffs. And Coach Pritchard got those guys rolling on all cylinders, and that's going to be a dogfight there. And obviously, Coach Hilgendorf over at Watika has really turned that program around, and that's usually a big rivalry for us. At least it is for me. That was my rivalry when, when I was in high school, and I'm, I'm looking forward to that Week 8 game. And then, like we had talked about, that Week 9 game was the one that we had to go out and find, and we got to travel. And the offensive coordinator for Warsaw is uh, Coach Unruh, who's, who's a Hall of Fame coach. And when I played in the state championship, he was a head coach at, at Carthage, who we played against. So, like, I'm pretty familiar with the style of offense he's going to run. And we have to come ready to play that game. From from top to bottom, our schedule is there's some good teams in it. And I, I see some uh, good opportunities to get some wins in this schedule. And hopefully, after week nine and over, we're, we're hearing our name called for playoff selection. Yeah, that'd be great. You know, I think anytime you can get local schools, obviously, you know, you know, we're in different classes where my son's at compared to where you're coaching at, but you want your school to to win and and to be successful. I always tell everyone good luck and, you know, hope you have a great season until you play us, right? And that's probably the same with everyone else. You want you want everyone to do good, but you've got your your love for for your old team, but when you're in a community like this and you can watch it, it's always it's always cool to watch and, and check out. And now games are a little bit easier to watch. Uh, some of them are streamed on YouTube or different platforms and stuff. So you get to see teams that maybe you normally don't see. And that's exciting. And then, of course, you hope that they get down to the state championship. And, of course, that is that is televised on TV. But, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a real interesting year from the way you've described it. And do you see out of conference that you're in, Clifton, probably the toughest out of the group. I know I had on Big Pete... Uh, Coach Big Pete from Deep Dish Football, uh, his podcast will be coming up this week for broadcasting. And, of course, he mentioned Clifton Central is kind of the team uh, from that class. Is, do you think that's your toughest competition that you see? Uh, and and Clifton Central is basically no other way to put it. It's kind of like Watsika. It's in your backyard, right? Right. And, and I know like Clifton is, is going to lose some linemen, but they don't lose any of their skill guys. Like they're going to be, Coach Spooner does an amazing job with those guys year in and year out. They're not as strong on the offensive line. He's going to figure something out to, to get his playmakers the ball. Like they're, they're going to be extremely tough. But I think, I mean, we got that, that stretch of in three games right there with Clifton, Dwight, and Paxton. And Dwight, the way that they run their style of offense is uh, it's just a downright dirty game in the trenches. A lot of hard hits. Like those, those guys show up to hit. Our guys show up to hit. And then you you got Paxton, and those guys are always really big guys. And like that three game stretch right there will most likely determine our season. 
it's going to lead to some interesting conversations you're going to have with some of your, your players because they've got to be so focused on it. And the other thing is those three games will define your season. So that's all that more important to be on the winning side, have a winning record heading into those three games. You want to get your Oakwoods and South Forks and stuff in moments, and you want to get those hopefully behind you in the win column because you know you're running into a tough stretch of those three games. So uh, that's a question you got to raise the kids. Where do you want to be at going into that? Because you don't want to be down heading into that, I assume, because who knows what's going to happen at Clifton or Dwight or or Paxton. So it's uh, it's definitely going to be a very interesting year for you, and I'm really looking forward to hearing more from you. So what do you expect from your team this year? If you had a crystal ball, what could, what are you expecting out of it? Not necessarily a win-loss thing, but what are you expecting them? Uh, looking at them now, right, you haven't had probably had too much of a chance to, to see them and, and, you know, basically hold them and, and work with them. But where do you see them if you took a snapshot today? And then you took a snapshot at the end of the season. What do you expect to see from your team those uh, a difference at the end of the season or, or you hope to see? Well, if I were to take a snapshot now, like all the kids would be would be smiling and would be happy. Uh, they're having fun. They're glad to be back. And if I were to take a snapshot at the end of the season, I would really love for the, to see them smiling and happy and knowing that they had fun playing the game of football. Like, yeah, it's it's hard. And, and obviously there has to be a loser in every game. I mean, it's just the nature of it. But regardless of how we finish this, I, I still want to see smiles on their face at the end of the year and for them to know that they had fun. Within that, how many of your kids do you think that look at wanting to play at the next level as a serious option for them? Well, obviously you got Clayton and Cannon. Cannon could probably go either way. You got football, you got basketball. I mean, the same thing with, with Austin Miller and, and Tristan Shack and, and John Alden. Like they, those guys all are running backs to play at the next level. They could all wrestle at the next level. Like we have so much talent on this team, whether it be football and basketball or football and wrestling. We also got some baseball players that could they could go pitch in, in college. And I mean, it's we're loaded with athletes. So I would say that almost every single kid on our team, if they wanted to play at the next level and, and something, they could make that happen just by their hard work. The reason I ask that question is one of the things I'm doing, I, obviously I'm trying to raise the awareness for our uh, high school programs and our coaches of what's going on to, you know, it's been a, like I said, a strange uh, year. We're slowly building back up. But the other thing I want to be able to do is give these kids the opportunities to have some exposure to, for people to know who they are, right? You know, it, it's like going to the dance and there's the prettiest girl, but you forget about everybody else in the room when really your match may be somebody else. It may, may not be the prettiest girl in the room, even if you had the prettiest girl in the room. It's the same thing in football uh, or in basketball or any other sport. You may have your eye on this one, and this is who you're committed to, right? You know, coming from left field, coming from another, out of nowhere, maybe another school you end up at, and you want as many schools looking at you as possible. And part of that is having those building blocks, right? Making sure you're, you behave yourself, making sure you're in the classroom hitting the books, making sure that you're keeping your social media clean these days. All those things are important, but then how do you get that out there? And I think sometimes, again, when we're in this area that we're at, we get overlooked. So I'm thinking about 
starting an area where we'll talk to to the coaches and say if there's players that are interested in doing a 20 minute you know interview we'll have some basic questions for them to talk about it and then you know kind of talk about hey this is on my twitter because what i found again going from softball where my daughter played to football with softball, and it hasn't changed, I talked to our the guy who ran our organization who coached our team. It's the same way. They have showcases. You come up. We have a bunch of college coaches. It could be in St. Louis. could be in Boston. could be wherever. Um, but you'll come in. I would be the college kind of coordinator. I would be the guy that would go and talk to the coaches and say, Coach, what are you looking for? And stuff like that. So everybody comes to you. Where football is a little bit different, and what I'm hearing more and more of is that Twitter is kind of the way they want to see stuff. And so part of what I think is important is educating the kids and the parents about what that process is. And so I'm always interested to find out because I think it was such a great opportunity for my kid to go play because we couldn't afford to go out to Providence College out in Rhode Island. It was well beyond our financial means, but it was a great opportunity. She got a her master's degree. She's got a great career. She's working on her CPA. And uh, I think that's every kid's kind of dream. I mean, you sure. I mean, I know kids have dreams of being the next LeBron James or Roger Clemens or whoever it may be or... Walter Payton, I'm kind of showing my age there with some of the older uh, folks, but I think knowing that you can get that college education and not putting a lot of burden on mom and dad is really, really important. So I'm always interested to know those kids that maybe have the opportunity and want to have the desire. You got to have the desire. We've talked to kids who, yeah, I want to play in college. Well, are you working out? Right. Well, how's your grades? How you do? And I'm not getting good responses. Well, if you don't do basics, you're not going to get to college. You're not just going to come pick you up and say, let me spend twenty, forty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 a year on you, not knowing whether you're going to do what I want you to do or you're going to be able to pass your classes. So that's what I'm thinking about doing is putting that portion out there for kids. I know since I've started working with my son uh, on the Twitter side of it, which was all new for me, coach, I don't understand it, but started working for me. It, it's helped a lot. He's, you know, he's getting a lot, lot better looks and stuff like that. And I think you have to find out how that system works. You got to trust the process, but first you have to know what that process is. So uh, that's interesting. And it's great that you've got all those great athletes. So maybe something I may be reaching out to you saying, and, and not just for football, but for all our coaches. I mean, I went through and got all the coaches for every sport in fall and spring uh, from all the schools in the area. Uh, there's, about 240 of them. Um, so there's plenty of time to talk. And then if you add in 10 to 20 to 30 kids per sport, it could probably keep me pretty busy, but it would be a great opportunity to hopefully give them some extra boost moving forward if they want to play in college. What's your thoughts on that? I mean, I think that I, I honestly think that's great. Um, yeah, like you said, like Twitter is is huge for for kids these days, and it's the it's the one of the best ways to get it out. And they make their huddle highlights and, and huddle film. And obviously, being the head coach now, like I'm more involved with huddle. And what I found out is I can go to the individual players in huddle, and you can put a kid in a category for college coaches to see their films. It's, all the colleges use huddle too. And as long as you have a huddle account, like you can see film, like those highlight films that those kids put on Twitter, stuff like that. I can go on there and 
like I've done it for for the kids that have said that they have interest in in playing at the next level. And you can take like Division One, FCS, Division Two, Division Three, obviously Power Five, and all the other uh, divisions in football. And you can take that. So then, like when coaches look up your school, they'll see your list of kids and and where you think they can play, and then they can watch an actual game film or their highlight film. Because like the one thing I learned with talking to U of I the other day is like, yeah, they like to see the highlight, but the highlight film is a highlight film for a reason the best plays on there they want to see what you're doing when the ball goes away from you they want to see if your your camera guy doesn't edit it out as much they want to see your your body language coming out of the huddle into the huddle they really critique those films a lot and then when they get you down there in person it's it'll show and then when they start asking you about it like you can tell obviously you can tell by body language and and responses like if if they want to play or not and i actually do a lot of reading read a lot of books and uh coach randy jackson he's a Texas high school coach. He, he has two books out and I love them. Like they're, they're great. And like his big thing is to begin to play football. And like, if you want to play at the next level, you have to have that mentality of you can't live without football. You, you cannot live without it. We have a good amount of those kids in our football program. Like they, they live for this. I'm familiar with huddle on the, on the football side. I was really familiar with, with basketball when we're doing travel basketball. One of the amazing things that I going to think about purchasing myself, uh, but my son said, I just want to play football at this point was that not only could you get the games filmed in basketball, you could send it in. They would look at it, analyze it, and then you would get all the stats back from the game. And then they would have a, a visual of the court. And they could tell you, you could click and say, okay, for, you know, Jason Teal, he was a guard. Let's pull him up. And then I can click on different quadrants. So you could look at the quadrants for Jason Teal and you could say, let's look at how many shots from this side of the court, from this area, from the top of the key, from over here. And it would tell you what percentage you made from that. And you could take all that data and put it and it would put it into a chart and stuff. And so I think it's an amazing tool. And so part of it is keeping your Twitter feed active, keeping it updated. I tell kids, Hey, if you're working out, get someone to film you for a little bit. Cut it down, you know, put in a minute video or whatever. This is what I'm doing in the off season. And I know some people say, well, people don't want to see you working out. If I'm a coach, and maybe I'm wrong here, if I'm a coach and you're posting that you're working out three, four times a week, that might be a kid I'm interested in, especially if he's a kid that can play football. That means that he's doing things when people aren't looking, and and I think that's a that's a huge attribute. So I think there's some tools out there, and I think oftentimes parents they can either get suckered into or they can get lost in the recruitment game. And I've seen people pay thousands of dollars for a recruitment service that can do the same thing you do. And what people have to understand is you're basically your own media team yourself. You've got to make sure you got video of yourself. You got to make sure that you're going in and taking care of your huddle. Um, and you're exactly right on the issue of highlights. They're not stupid. Everybody knows you're going to take the best shots of what you do the best. Um, and it's even breaking down. We, we worked out, uh, up in Chicago for in the off season and, uh, just talk with the owner of EFT up there. And Elias was saying, you know, they're building stations. They want to see how high can this kid jump? 
What can he do here? So they move him from station to station to station. They want to see that film. They want to see, hey, I'm, I'm needing this. They they want to see that time. If this kid's got a 40, what is he running? And, and they don't want to just see it and then you say, oh, it was a 4.8, 40, or whatever it may be. They want to see the clock um, because I would imagine that there's probably some people that have you know, sometimes coaches have been burned by people saying, this is a great kid. And one thing that sports taught me and the head of the organization taught me was never lie to a coach. They trust you and, and you ultimately built a pipeline with that school. Um, and when they're looking for a good kid, they're going to call you if they trust you and say, this is what I need. Tell me about this kid. And if you say ABC, they're going to know it's ABC. And I think that's really important because that doesn't happen in all the sports. Um, some of the sports are a little bit more wild west, as you say. Uh, travel basketball is one of those areas that's more like the wild west. More people have side hustles than they do anything else. And, you know, your word is sometimes not as well as it should be because you've maybe BS somebody about it. And, and that's the last thing you want to do. So hopefully I can start that process as I work through my stuff and we can get kids in here and do what they got to do. So let's get back to, if we can, uh, you got players. Uh, are there any players coming back this year or to play again, or they're coming up that you think is going to have an immediate impact for you? Uh, yeah, like I said, with, with Clayton coming back, like that's a, that's an immediate impact. Uh, I know Austin Miller is he's played running back for us since he was a freshman. He's gonna be a, he's gonna be a junior now. Like he's he didn't have the type of season that he wanted to have last year, and and he set some, some pretty lofty goals for himself this year. And and I have no doubt that he can meet those goals. And then you look, we have Tristan Shack, who's also a running back, and John Alden, who's who's a running back slash fullback, and and those guys have set some some pretty lofty goals for themselves as well. Without saying too much of what we want to do, obviously, like you know, you get a clear picture painted that we're going to run the football, and and those guys are going to do whatever it takes to run the football. I expect that those guys are going to run the football pretty dang well, and we're going to have we're going to put up a lot of yards. Well, that that'll be great, um, and really excited about heading into the season, and especially you you've got to be excited, coach we're getting closer to that date, right? We're, we're moving that way. We don't have clarity, but we do uh, at least get the kids to do some workouts with social distancing and stuff like that. But it's got to be really exciting for you to have the kids back, to be able to see them and to know that could be, you may start on that date and maybe three weeks after that date, but there's a, there's a good possibility we're going to be starting fall ball here in the near future. Oh, absolutely. Like, I'm, I'm beyond excited. I mean, that's kind of an understatement. Uh, ready to get going. I know the kids are, are definitely ready to get going. And, and like you said, we don't have clarity on, uh, an exact date, but I'm looking forward to that August 10th date. And, and hopefully things keep progressing with the state and with the IHSA like they have been. And, and I'm, I'm hoping to start on that day. If not, like, we'll start whenever they tell us they can start. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm just getting excited talking about it. Right. Uh, and I'm just a parent. So I can only imagine for the players and for the coaches. And I take my son to work out. Uh, you know, they got APT, so they, they're out social distancing, kind of getting them back, getting them ready for the season and stuff. It's been tough through the through the winter, especially with the shutdown, because where he normally goes up north, they shut down. And then uh, luckily here in town, we have a, a guy that we go to that works with them really, really well. And of course, that was closed down as well. But now he's getting back into it. But when 
he says he's going to he's going to the school, right? He's getting ready to go to. I get kind of excited about that because it, it just makes me think I'm I'm that much closer to going on a Friday night and watching these kids play. So I'm excited. So I know you got to be excited. So one of the questions I ask and and I didn't see you fill out, but I I've got a twist on it. Uh, if you don't have a favorite charity, but one of the reasons I ask my guest about a, a favorite charity is the reason I started this is because of my medical problem, uh, my condition, which, you know, I'm going to be going in and, and head to Mayo Clinic to hopefully uh, get that done. And that could happen at any time. I'll get that call uh, anytime now because I've, I've been listed for my, uh, I need a transplant for what I got to go to. But one of the reasons I started this was to keep my mind off of that but then also to really talk about it changes your the way you look at stuff. And so I want to look at positive things. I think what happens is, and I say this every podcast, is you could have 100 conversations today, 99 of them are good, one's bad, and we focus on that one bad. And so I want to focus on the good uh, because I think the majority of what happens in this world and the majority of people in our community are good people. And what I want to try to do is not just raise the level of awareness for our programs, but the great things that our schools are doing. And then I also want to make sure that we're remembering people that are less fortunate than us. So I don't know if you have a favorite charity. I have something in mind if you don't uh, that I'd like to offer you. But uh, if you do, let me know. If not, let you know. I'll let you know what my thoughts are. My like my favorite charity probably would be Wounded Warrior Project. When you when you enlist in the military, like I don't, especially for the Navy, like they send out some like some paperwork, and you can actually donate, and it comes straight out of your paycheck. Like you never see it deposited into your bank, anyways. And you can put a percentage or a, a dollar amount in there, and it and it will come out for that whole year, and then you have to do it again every year. And from the time that I got in, so from 2007 all the way till uh, November of 2015, I always donated a portion of my, my paycheck to the Wounded Warrior Project. Like I said, I've, I've had the chance to visit the Wounded Warrior Project, like the wing in the hospital at Walter Reed. I had friends that were corpsmen that were stationed out in San Diego. I took leave out there and, and flew out there and was fortunate enough to, to get to see that that wing in that hospital as well. And, and I think that they they do great things for, for the men and women that get hurt while they're deployed. And it, it's always great to see that those guys, men and women, are taken care of. And it, it doesn't necessarily just mean like while they're at the hospital, like when the War Project obviously like helps them with their transition back into civilian life and gets them any accom accommodations that they need, whether it be wheelchair ramp, I know they got real big into, and I thought it was really awesome, any type of prosthetic that they needed, they would almost redo the inside of whatever vehicle they had, or they would get them a new vehicle that had the accommodations in there that they needed for the prosthetic. So, I mean, they do really great things with that, and, and that would be my favorite charity. I know you had kind of mentioned that, and I was looking at it. I, not that I had never heard it before, but I was looking at that. So I think what I'm going to do, it's not going to be a ton of money, but I think what I'm going to do, in, both in honor of you and, and what you've done and the honor of wounded warriors that are there, I'm going to make a donation to the wounded warriors, and I'm going to put it in the county podcast name and your name if that's uh, okay with you. Oh, yeah, that, that's perfectly smart. Okay, great, great. So I, I, it sounds to me like it's going to be an interesting year at Iroquois West for varsity football, mm -hmm. and I know you're excited about the getting the kids back, getting them back in the classroom and, and learning and 
doing all that stuff. And, uh, you know, as things go along, I hope hopefully stay in touch with you. I know we're moving, but, you know, maybe as we get closer, we can touch bases again just to figure out how things are going. And if there's a wrap-up sometime during the year and you've got some extra time, you know, you've got my number. Uh, I'm always willing to sit down as long as I'm here and I'm not in Minnesota or doing something else. We could sit down and maybe go over stuff, even if it's after a game or the day after or whatever just to keep things in the forefront for Iroquois West. And, you know, let me say it was a pleasure talking to you today, Coach. It's a pleasure knowing that you've served our country. I'm excited for Iroquois West football. I certainly expect that the folks from Iroquois County and and the surrounding communities are going to be excited for you as well. So um, maybe we can follow up with that and keep this kind of going as we go along. It won't be be as as long, but I would love to hear how your games win, especially after a good victory or a tough fight. And uh, if if you'll come back, I'd love to have you. Oh, absolutely. I'd love to come back. And if you ever uh, ever get a chance to make it down to to Gilman, let me know. We'll get you you the all-access pass, sideline pass for you. Very good. Well, hey, Coach, it was a pleasure talking with you, and uh, I appreciate you coming on the County Pulse podcast. And do me a favor. Uh, tell Josh and Clayton and Ken and I that uh, Mr. Dexter said hello, and uh, I'm going to sneak down there one way or the other, I can tell you, and uh, uh, see him. One, because I, I, I love that family, and uh, it's a kind of community that as re- I've been exposed to and uh, seem like you have really great people in your community. So I'm excited for you, and again, thanks, thanks for coming on, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Yep. Take care. Thanks for listening to the County Pulse Podcast. Make sure to find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The County Pulse. And drop a follow on each so you'll be able to take the pulse of Kankakee County and beyond. And beyond.